Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Well, finally, it has happened, everyone. The most requested guest on the show in Next Level Soul history is finally here. We have on the show Mateus Stefano. Mateus is a very interesting spiritual master who has been teaching around the world for a while now. Mateus and I had a deep conversation about spirituality, the multiple dimensions on the other side, all of his past lives that he remembers and has access to, a little bit about Atlantis. And when I asked him where we were all going as a species, as humanity, the conversation turned very, very interesting. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Mateus Stefano. How are you doing, Mateus? Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I was telling you before we started, you are like the number one guest that my audience has been like always in the comments. You have to get Mateus on. You have to get Mateus on. So they apparently want you and I to have a conversation. So I am, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So thank you again for taking the time out, my friend. So first question, um, when did you become aware of your spiritual calling? Because you have a unique story to say the least. <laughs> well, I, I, I was born in an agnostic family, so I had no spiritual background, no religion. So I had no idea what was a spiritual calling, actually. Um, I, I started to understand or to, to listen about spirituality when I was actually 17. Um, when, when my mom and I started to look for help, trying to understand what was happening to me. Um, so we enter in the spiritual world, trying to find out how to handle my own things. But, um, since I was born, I, I, I knew I was different somehow, mainly when I was 12 years old and things turned out to be much more deep for me, like remembering past lives, the universe and everything. And uh, when I was 14, my guides from other dimensions started to explain me that I had a mission, that I have to accomplish that mission. In certain years, I have to speak to people and do this and do that. So I kind of knew that I had some kind of connection with something, mm -hmm. but I never related it with spirituality. For me, it was like the natural thing that most of the people have. <laughs> so... Um, so actually, I realized that it was something from the spirituality when I was 17, and other people told me. 
But what so what was happening to you that your like that your parents had to like or your mom had to like start looking like what's happening to my son? Like what was happening to you yeah. in, you know exactly? Well, at first of course like many children had this invisible friends, you know, that um uh usually you play with uh but suddenly I was learning things from them. Like they were teaching me about botanics, they were teaching me about stones, they were teaching me about emotions, uh, about history. They were helping me doing my homework. Um, so um, they were telling me stories. And so that was all normal and natural until I was 12 years old. And one of them told me, next week, you will start to remember. And uh, we cannot help you with that. You will have to deal with it until you figure out why you're going to start to remember. And uh, we are going to be here to support you, but we cannot explain to you. So I stopped seeing them and I started to feel different beings that were um, not like childhood things, but they were more like guides and people that were around and uh, explaining me about my mission and what I had to do. So I started to uh, remember about uh, the last 12,000 years of my history, um, what I was doing in Africa, then what I was doing in Europe and different lives and, and all mixed. So it was all a mess. And when I was 16, I started to remember myself, who I was in the universe. So I started to remember dimensions, different realities. Um, I thought I was getting crazy. I, I, uh, my, my, my mom actually thought I was a very creative person. Um, and everyone around me, they thought, oh, he's a very creative person. Um, and uh, all the kids wanted to listen to my stories and what I was, what I was remembering. And uh, they were sharing to me their feelings, but very like uh, afraid of it. And um, so some teachers too, they started to ask me questions, but uh, it turned out to be very difficult for me to handle a normal life with all that in my head. Uh, and uh, so I ended up going to psychologists and some of them said I was special. Other ones were saying you have schizophrenia. Um, so I ended up believing that I had schizophrenia but my mom said, no, you don't. You just have a mess in your head and you need order. So, so we were always looking for someone helping me trying to organize what I had in my head. And, uh, and uh, we ended up with these people that helped me energetically to organize what, I, what was happening within me. And, uh, and since that moment, I started to understand much better. So um, that was the path until I was 18, 19 years old, when I kind of knew what it was all about. <laughs> yeah. So, so it seems like, yeah, you definitely went through a gauntlet within your own mind. How, so now you remember all your lives for the last 12,000 years. And as I've spoken to spiritual masters around the world, the concept of remembering your past lives can be dangerous, knowing too much about where you came from because it could affect yeah. The current incarnation. So my question to you is, how do you deal with this knowledge? And not only some knowledge, very detailed knowledge 
of many, mm. if not all of your past lives for the last 12,000 years, walking around in this reality, in this incarnation, with a library of information from other lifetimes? Like, how do you deal with that psychologically? Yeah, it was very difficult because I started to remember as a child, not right. as an adult. Right. And um, so for me, it was like, um, like very chaotic. Um, so I had no idea what, what was actually happening and all the information was mixed. And every time that I had the chance to speak with one of my guides, they said, don't think about it, just write about it and make drawings about it, but don't think about it because you have nothing to do with it now. It all will make sense in the future, but this is the right moment for you to remember it. So go through the emotion and remember that emotion is the keeper of information. So that's why you have to feel it, not think it. Mm. And um, so I went through hell because I was feeling every one of my dads, um, uh, all the people that died around me, all the, the different things that I couldn't accomplish, uh, me being the bad guy, me being the good guy. Maybe, so it, uh, many lives as a woman, um, confusing me in this life as a man. So it was like so many things, um, so many confusing things and then other realities. So <laughs> yeah. yes, so eventually, eventually, um, one of my guides told me to um, to do a specific meditation that was watching a wall for a long time. And every thought and emotion that was coming to me, I was supposed to leave it in that wall, like concentrated in the tiniest uh, spot that I could ever imagine inside that wall and put it there until I just see the white wall. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it helped me to clear my mind until everything was empty. Like uh, suddenly from that moment, since that uh, specific moment, I started to have my mind in blank. And uh, whenever someone asked me something, the information was coming through, but I was not thinking about it. So it helped me to basically get rid of all this data and information that weren't actually useful. Because um, I said, for example, um, if I had to explain to someone why a pyramid exists, why don't you give me the information of the pyramid instead of having to suffer all this? I don't know, uh, my husband dying in another life, my children uh, or whatever, and, and feeling the love of my grandmother in that life. Why? Why suffering so much with so many memories? And they said, because you remember the pyramid through the love that you felt of the people that were there learning with you what the pyramid was. Because nobody remembers things just because of information. You remember things because you feel things. Mm -hmm. So you need to remember the emotion of those people or those, those situations you were in in order to access the information 
that you that you knew in that moment is emotion the medium like paper to writing like you can't write something down unless there's a, a, a place to write it down and that's how the information yeah. so is the emotion kind of like the paper of of connecting to that kind of information uh not always of course but as a teenager yes <laughs> <laughs> So, Mateus, let me ask you, because, I mean, you 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 have so much information inside of you and so much knowledge that your guides have been giving you. Did you sign up for this, obviously, in your soul plan and your blueprint? Do you remember going, oh, I'm going to go through this hell. I'm going to, you know, go through all of this. Do you yes. remember that? Yeah, I you remember do. that. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. When you finally started to come out, out of the quote unquote, spiritual closet <laughs> and, and, and start doing the work that you're doing. I imagine that there's a lot of people around you, family, friends, that just looked at you like you were nuts. How did you deal with losing very you know close relationships? Because that happens to a lot of people who come out spiritually to do a mission or to talk or to channel or to talk about their near-death experiences. It happens very often. I'd love to hear how you dealt with it. Yeah, well, I, um, as I said, my my context was not religious, um, but they also hadn't any belief in anything. Like uh, they were not like against spirituality, mm -hmm. but they were not into it either. Um, and when I started to speak about this, uh, it was never from a spiritual point of view. Mm. It was always about me feeling this, me living that. And um, when I started to share it with my friends, my friends actually were very close to me, even more. Like, it was not like, um, um, yeah, for me, it was very easy because actually my friends were not like this kind of friends that making bullying to me, like, oh, yeah. you're crazy or whatever. Está loco. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, um, no. Actually, they were very engaged with with it, and uh, of course, there were some others, uh, like in school, like always there is. But um, even though they said crazy things to me, like like you are crazy or whatever, they all kind of believed what happened. <laughs> so, so even though some of them were scared of me, some of right. them were. Some of them uh, were like, like um, you know, bullying me. But when they were alone with me, they would ask me questions, you know. So, um, so yes. And in my family, the one that uh, it was difficult the most for to understand was my my auntie. Um, uh, it was out of her box, um, and. Uh, so, but eventually, um, she she engaged with it because um, they all knew that I I am I am a very bad liar. Like all the people <laughs> that knows me since I was like a child, if you tell me to lie, I was like um, I did it or he did it. So it was impossible for me to lie in anything. So this so my family was like. We believe what is happening to this guy because basically we know that he cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So that's the only reason why this why they believe me, <laughs> basically. Um, and uh, yeah, so so uh, for me, for me, I didn't have to deal much with it because also I I never expected for someone to believe me. Actually, right. like I wasn't, I didn't have the need of why they don't they don't believe me. Um, uh, because there was always someone in my family or my friends or the neighborhood uh, that were there listening to me or willing to 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 share and listen what I was saying. It's it's interesting because you know both you and I are Latinos and in our culture, it is kind of in the DNA, la, the spirituality, the uh, psychics, the mediums, the, los brujos, los santeros these kind yeah. of things it's kind of in our dna um why do you think what i've always wanted to find that out maybe you can answer it why is it so culturally accepted in latin american countries in caribbean countries central america mexico that these ideas are embraced much easier than the west do you find that by the way is the truth yeah totally uh, basically the latin reality it's a mix of all the animistic tradition, polytheistic traditions, and um, African traditions, all mixed as one. Mm -hmm. So all of those traditions were based in the ability to connect with spirits, in the ability to listen to the trees, to the animals, uh, to follow a god that has feathers and a tail of a snake. So, um, yeah. so. Uh, even if Christianism came, the mix of all those cultures were so strong that spirituality is something beyond religion uh, mm -hmm. because it, it's, in the, it's in the mix of traditions. In Europe, they had um, at least 2,000 years of just few religions. Um, Christianism, uh, Islam. So it was not very rich for the last 200 years in, in Europe. Uh, it was very few, maybe in the British islands, uh, Scotland, Ireland, like the most connected with the spirituality, the old traditions, maybe in the north of, uh, of Scandinavia. But um, for the rest of Europe and all the people that moved to the United States, um, it was all about escaping those realities or following only one tradition. So I think that for Latin America, it's much more rich because of the African tradition coming to uh, Central America, uh, to Brazil, all the different tribes that were mixed and that got the spirituality of Europe. But it was just 100 years or 200 years but all these traditions mixing, like it's 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 still very alive, and I think that uh, for Argentina it's very different because Argentina we are kind of that of one of the only countries with Uruguay in South America that actually doesn't have much deep tradi tradition uh, from from all this mix of cultures. We have much more European tradition. Yeah. But our our institutions from the very beginning were very laicist. So um, we didn't have much religion. So 
usually Argentina and Uruguay are much about psychoanalysis than spirituality. <laughs> yes, so, they are. <laughs> so instead of in, instead of saying, "Oh, a spirit told you that," it's like, "Who do you think you are talking to, and what is your feeling about what you are receiving?" No, no, it's, it's more like it's more like psychoanalysis. So everyone is like wandering instead of talking about spirits. <laughs> so um, I think that also helped me in my in my environment. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't an accident that you were born into a Latin culture, though it, no. though the Argentinian culture no less, which is the, no. the less of the spiritual in, in South America. But it yeah. wasn't an accident that that you know you weren't it born wasn't, somewhere it wasn't else. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So let's turn to, um, you spo- you've spoken a lot about the nine dimensions and the different mm-hmm. dimensions of reality. Uh, as I've studied over the years in the yogic traditions and the Hindu traditions, they also talk about these levels of dimensions. Can you explain to the audience what those levels of dimensions are? Of course, there are infinite dimensions. Yes. And it's not only nine. Nine dimensions are the ones that we can actually relate to in the aspects of creation. Mm-hmm. But then you can have infinite dimensions like uh, you could possibly imagine. The thing is that uh, a dimension is basically a measurement you go through. You know, it's like it's like you have something and you have different points of views from which you can perceive that something. Like if you have a sphere, you have 360 degrees. So 360 dimensions of that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a tetrahedron, then you have six lines and four triangles that will shape these uh, six dimensions with other uh, four dimensions in the shape of trinities. Mm-hmm. So you can have infinite amounts of dimensions of something. We tend to confuse dimension with realms. And that's the Christian or Semitic tradition mm-hmm. of thinking we are in the third world and then there are angels and then you have archangels and then you have this thing. So usually we relate dimensions with realms, but it's not the same thing. Okay. A dimension is actually different points of view of the same reality. So um, I usually describe the nine that are um, the basis of our existence because we all come from unity. And that unity, in order to exist, needs to express into another one. So it creates a polarity, which is the second dimension. This second dimension is the one that manifests a third point because these two, when they move, they create a third aspect, which is an axis between these two. So that's the third dimension. Mm-hmm. So you have three points of view now. And these three points of view are moving one around the other. So that creates the fourth dimension, which is time. The fourth dimension then starts to generate energy and light, which is the fifth dimension. Then this shape can change or switch its position, 
which is the sixth dimension. Then the sixth dimension can transcend and manifest itself into another totally different reality, which is the seventh dimension. And then you have all the infinite possibilities of those changes, which is the toroid or the eighth dimension. And it all comes back to the divine, which is the essence or the very um, idea of why everything exists, which is the ninth dimension that takes you again to the one. So the ninth dimension actually shaped an exahedron, which is a cube. So when you have a cube, you actually encode it to that. You have the Merkaba, which is two tetrahedrons. If you expand the cube, you have the dodecahedron. If you fractalize the dodecahedron, you have the exahedron, so, uh, sorry, the um, icosahedron. And if you go to the core of all the system, you have the octahedron. So basically, the ninth dimension opened the door for the creation of the five main uh, solids, um, the geometry that generates everything in our reality. So that's why I used to describe the ninth point of view of this reality, because everything that exists is based in these five. So then let me ask you this. There's so much I've heard, and please correct me, that we are we living in a three-dimensional world. Then there is, we're all evolving to a fifth dimension. Is that true, or how? what's your perspective on that? We actually don't live in the third dimension going to the fifth dimension. Yeah. We are we perceive the third dimension and we are starting to perceive the fifth dimension okay so actually it's not that we are moving from one to another is that we are amplifying our point of view that, that would makes... be actually the reality it's not that you are gonna leave the third dimension to leave the third dimension you have to die <laughs> <laughs> so then the so this other side that that our souls go to when you were making your blueprint and uh, where souls are and where your guides are and all of this, I'm assuming that's the same place. What, what dimension is that? Or is that a realm? My guides, uh, my guides usually are in the fifth dimension, like most of the guides. Okay. Um, fifth angels, dimension because archangels, uh, ascended masters. No. Uh, masters. Yeah, okay. masters. Usually the, the fifth dimension is related to information. So it's all the pure energy. But that pure energy doesn't have time, neither space. So because it doesn't have that, that's why sometimes when we connect with them, they send us information and data that we cannot handle now. It's like yeah. we are giving this to you and you say, but... Why? How? I, I have no idea how to do this. And we tend to um, to get desperate because for them, there's no time or space. So maybe they can tell you when you are eight years old that you have to solve something when you are 68. And you know, so um, because for them, it's, it's just that is information. And um, for us, it's an emotional process. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's kind of like our hardware is just not capable of handling the software or the information coming in like the computer is like yeah it's like the operating systems just not can't handle it yeah totally it's it's basically that it's, it's like trying to 
to download all the information that we have today in the internet in a computer from the 80s. Right. Yeah. I just couldn't even process a basic web page <laughs> mm -hmm. back exactly. then. So then the the realms of the angels and archangels are that's at a high, and again higher it's not but in our person our perception higher meaning a sixth dimension or higher than that the uh angels demons and all these creatures usually can be moved from the fourth to the fifth dimension then you have the archangels in the sixth dimension um seraphims in the seventh dimension so we can kind of relate spiritual beings to the dimensions but they are not um usually like that I, I the way we can perceive this for example is you yourself in this third dimension you are this person mm -hmm. but uh like me matthias here but in the fourth dimension my expression of myself could be an angel so the being that I call an angel, when I see an angel, might be just myself projected. It's not that it's another one that lives in the fourth dimension besides me. It could just be a project because our souls can our souls can project in multiple places at the same time. It's kind of like you seeing your higher self. I've heard that often that you you like meet your higher self or connect to your higher self. It's just you, exactly. but it's a higher it's like self. The it's like the mirror reality. It's like a mirror reality. So you are in the center of a mirror and you're not even the center. You believe you are in the center, but actually you are a reflection of someone else. So you are a reflection in the third dimension of someone that is in the ninth dimension that has so many reflections that they look different. So you think they are different people, but actually it's yourself in different dimensions. So, um, so you, so, so we usually call our guides to people that we think they are outside ourselves, but actually, it's our own mind in the fifth dimension talking to us in the third dimension. Would and, it be a mind? Would it be a mind or a consciousness? Because it wouldn't be like technically our mind. It would be a, our consciousness, yeah. our awareness. It would be an awareness, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but your guides aren't just you. You actually have other spirit guides around you as well, correct? Yeah, it could be, but sometimes maybe it's a higher version spirit, of spirit, like a master in the fifth dimension that in this reality is your cat. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, um, that's, ter that's terrifying. I have cats. That's terrifying if they're in the higher dimension. <laughs> if they're my masters, which many, to be argued, I, they probably are. I'm the one that cleans up after them. I got to feed them. I, I, they are my master. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, yeah, the, the, the thing is that you will know if your higher master from the fifth dimension in the third dimension is a cat. If you are, if you're very like, you know, like for sure, my, my masters are cats in this life because, because they are very like tough. Uh -huh. And uh, for some other people, they're so such a loving being. So must be golden retrievers. Or something. So I don't know. But um uh but it could be it could be anything in the third dimension because there is nothing in the fifth dimension that is not also projected in the third dimension. So in a version, it's a version of it here in the, in, in it's, the it's a yeah. constant 
version of everything. So everything that exists in the third dimension has this aspect in the fifth dimension or the sixth or the seventh. And okay. everything that exists in the fifth dimension has something to be anchored in the uh, the third dimension. That's why sometimes when you want to speak with an archangel, for example, you might go to a mountain. So you go to a mountain, which is a, an apple, which is a very huge spirit. So you go to the Andes, for example, and you speak to the Andes and you communicate with the Andes that in the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension, it could be maybe, I don't know, Mikhail mm -hmm. or some archangel. So, um, so everything in the third dimension is an anchor for something that exists in another dimension. So then let me ask you this, because <clears throat> I've studied the, the yogis from India for a long time. And it seems that when they find enlightenment, and there are other ascended masters too, but when they find this enlightenment or this other reality that they go to, they've talked about it. They, they, they're yeah. able to start to transcend these quote unquote magical powers where they can levitate or they can biolocate or things like that, you know, manifest in their hands with stuff, heal and so on. What are what are they accessing to allow them to have these kind of? I'm not that concerned with the abilities. That's kind of like a parlor trick on, or like an afterthought, <laughs> but more on the spiritual side. What are they accessing to reach those higher levels of awareness and understanding in the world? Where, like with the Maharishi, they gave him a whole bunch of you know psychedelic mushrooms and he ate them, and he's just like, eh, I live here. I don't need these. Yeah, <laughs> that's home. Yeah, I, I when. When I when I first took ayahuasca, I, I, I actually my first feeling was like, oh, home. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like Aubrey, I Aubrey told me Aubrey told me that our friend Aubrey Marcus he's like it's the it's this craziest thing doing ayahuasca with Mateus. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 what is it? So what is it with these yogis that they reach? What are they doing? What are they accessing to get this kind of awareness or information? Well, you become it. And that's enlightenment. When they reach enlightenment, actually, it's because they weren't looking for enlightenment. Um, all the all the traditions um, of the Hinduism, Buddhism, it's not about. Uh, it, it's not like, for for example, our traditions that are looking for salvation, or they are expecting for someone to take them out of this reality. They actually sit down and become part of this reality so deep that eventually they find enlightenment. So basically it's like, why can't you do fire? Because that person became the fire, not because it can has the power of fire. That, that's our point of view, because we think that humans are here to handle reality and everything was created for us to manage it or whatever. But the person that actually finds enlightenment is because they became the fire, they became the water, they became God. They 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 found themselves through every dimension, and they saw that the potentialities of our reality are basically themselves. It's us. So you are an echo of all that, and that's what they are connecting with. They are connecting with what you actually are, which is everything. 
beyond your personality, beyond what you are looking for. You just become. And uh, that's why every master, when you go to the very deep of everything, the only thing that you can say is, I am. Because there's nothing else. Because yeah. you are. So it's not a it's exactly. not a destin it's not a destination, which is a, no. a misconception. It's like oh, I have to find enlightenment. Like that's a like a room you walk into. Like I ah, thank God I found enlightenment. It's not that. <laughs> yes. It's it's more like you be you become, kind of like, Neo becoming part of the Matrix. Exactly. <laughs> at the, at, he exactly. literally absorbs into, the code, and he is exactly. then as opposed to being just outside of it. And understanding it and seeing it and manipulating it, he becomes one with it. So that's where these yogis—that's where these yogis, when they go into meditation, they're there and they come back by choice mm -hmm. to teach the rest of yeah. us as much as they can. Yeah. But the the thing is that we have still this perception of they went there, right? But they, they but actually they were they went nowhere. Like they actually became what it really is so so they went nowhere they were just sitting there yeah. and suddenly the the skin the cells became the air and the air became the skin and the cells became molecules and the molecules are energy and suddenly there's nowhere to go you become everything so it's not about uh, that's why the last position of the enlightened person is not someone touching the light. It's someone <laughs> just sitting down under the tree. Because they are the light. <laughs> it's because, because they are the light. Because you are the light. Because they are. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Would it make sense then that they have discovered a way to bypass the avatar that we are all in, this, this meat skin? and connect to who we truly are while still being in this dimension, meaning that they have now transcended. They actually go, oh, wait a minute. I am actually the light. I am actually source and I am actually God. I'm actually the water. I'm, I'm all of it. And when they have that awareness or awakening, that's when everything changes for them. But it's not this destination that we keep you know, hearing so much about. Is that a good like way to put it? Yes, for to make it something much more relatable as a human, for example, um, imagine you were raised uh, in Kansas, mm -hmm. let's say, in the States, uh, in the middle of the fields, in a very, very Christian family. Mm -hmm. So you have no other point of view of anything, and you are a person James, let's say. Mm -hmm. So this James person grew up only thinking about Jesus, thinking about the Bible, mm -hmm. thinking about the context of the people in the same community. He had no idea about anything else. So the only belief or the only perception of reality was his own with his own beliefs. And suddenly this person decides to take a trip and it goes to a big city in the States and suddenly sees, I don't know, in New York and suddenly sees so many crazy people believing in many things and many religions and whatever. But it's 
steal the states. And suddenly he says, he meets someone and says, why don't you go to India? So he takes a trip to India. And well, in India, you get crazy because suddenly it's one country with thousands of religions, thousands of masters and gurus that everyone believes in something different. And even though they have been working perfectly for 6,000 years. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, so uh, he starts to find another question, another answers, and then he starts to pursue the guru thing. But then they re- he realizes that, oh, uh, someone invites him to an ayahuasca ceremony. And then uh, he goes to Brazil and then goes to the middle of the forest. And suddenly he finds out that plants know better than a Bible. I don't know. So, um, so suddenly he starts to open and open into, I don't know, a friend in Egypt because he went to meditate there, but suddenly he discovered what Islam is and, and starts to figure out and figure out and figure out. And suddenly, by the end of figuring out what was the answer, he realized of only one truth behind all that, that everyone that met, that he met during this whole trip were humans. And everyone that spoke about the divine or a holy book or gave him the ayahuasca, they all had the need of eating, drinking, sleeping, reproduction, having sex. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were humans. And suddenly he realizes it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you will always find humans. So he becomes an humanist. So when he became a humanist, suddenly he understood something. There are millions of ways to find the divine, but even though we are all humans. Mm -hmm. So enlightenment is kind of the same because that guy that James, I just made up, will come back to Kansas and will be able to share Christmas with the family. We'll be able to share a prayer with his family will be able to share a meal with his family and laugh and talk and enjoy his village where he was born because he now knows that it doesn't matter. We are just humans. So beyond everything, we are humans. So an enlightened person is the person that took a whole path throughout the entire cosmos and the entire knowledge of the universe. And even though found out that we are all light. It doesn't matter the shape of it. So he can come back and he will never tell you, oh, this is the path to enlightenment. He will just sit with you, laugh and share a meal. You know what I mean? So so it's very much like in the movies, the the power was inside of you all the time. (laughs) As we've seen so many movie heroes, like they go and they go and they go on this journey and this and that and Finally, Yoda would say, yeah. but the force is inside of you. <laughs> the force was always inside, inside of you. Of you me. were the force, actually. You were, right. And, yes. The, it was not even inside of you. You were the force, you know? And uh, so, so it doesn't matter what are you doing in the world or what you are looking for. You will always find the source. You will always find it's in you. that power uh, inside of you. So... 
um, those who found enlightenment and remember that and feels that um, can share anything. And it's not about a race to figure out something or to solve something or to go beyond or to leave this reality and this world because suddenly you will realize that this reality was created by the same spirit that is meditating in the middle of everything. So why would uh, someone create this reality to escape from this reality? And the answer is that this reality never actually existed. It's just a dream that you have been creating in order to have fun and do something with your unexistent time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes, and then we can go into game theory and how we're all Mario trying to save the princess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But who is the player playing the Mario is the question. And that's yeah. who we need to go back to and go, who is the player who sees the whole game where you only see the mushroom that's in front of you or the, exactly. the bad guy that's in front of you? That's all you see. <laughs> so Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it is fascinating. Um, so... Okay, so we went down the road of enlightenment. Uh, so now we're all enlightened. Everybody listening, you can find enlightenment. It's all inside of you. Just look, uh, right? It's very simple. It's very simple. Yeah. And spirituality, I, I like to say that spirituality, again, is not about connecting with spirits. It's about imagination. Spirituality is about opening your mind in a way that everything is possible. So is there a God? Yeah, why not? Is everything, I don't know, a movie? Yeah, why not? So imagination is the door to every dimension. And uh, it's not about meditation. It's not about a spiritual path. It's not about following a specific rule. It's about imagination. So when you use your imagination, you start to open all those realities. And basically, the people that wrote the spiritual books were not people that follow rules. Were people <laughs> that connected with their own imagination and they saw God. And so, um, so the way in which we can actually grasp. Um, how we can become like like that, like like um, like in the ancient civilizations, is not about connecting with the idea of there are gods or goddesses and all these realms of spirituals. No, it's about how can we imagine other realities and possibilities. And this takes me to to another thing, which is uh, today we are starting to go to that. But quantum physics is also about imagination because a particle behaves as a particle if we pay attention to the particle. What is that? It's imagination. <laughs> you know. So it's about attention, it's about the mind. So it means that all the reality only exists because a lot of beings are paying attention to only one reality. But if all the beings change their point of view into another reality, suddenly it, that reality can become true. So, um, so uh, when we speak about science and we speak about quantum physics and everything, there is so much information that is just for people in universities. 
that uh, it's impossible for everyone to change their consciousness into that other reality, in the quantum reality, if they don't feel it and they don't become it. And that's where Marvel and Hollywood play a role that is very important. Please, which is, this, is, this is where I come from, sir. So please tell me. Uh, basically, because all the people is understanding what a multiverse is because uh, of Marvel. You know, so they've popularized it. Yeah, they popularized it. They are popularizing the concepts of going beyond this reality that we are more than what we see. So this is, it will take time, but this is giving the children the possibility to acknowledge that that reality is possible, that they can become it too, that there is science about it and you're watching it in a movie, but actually there are people working in actually that. <laughs> so, and there are people that are living their lives according to that, superheroes that are in the actual world living in this kind of reality. It's sure. just that we are still so bounded by spirituality in a religious way that we cannot find the middle point, which is imagination. That's why for me, um, uh, the movies, uh, the storytelling, it's so powerful because who changed the mind of the entire world to do what we do today with our societies? It, were, it was just crazy people living in islands in Greece that they told stories and those stories that they told build the basis for Rome, Persia, all the empires, they build the basis of all the stories of the heroes that we today still follow. Mm -hmm. So the path of the hero and everything and uh, the politics and economics and all the democracies oh. and republics and everything was created by just a few bunch of guys that were very bored in the islands of Greece five, 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, so... We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You see the power of imagination, the, the power of imagining things, of telling stories. You know, so um, it changed the world as we know it today. And even though we believe that the world cannot change because these people is in power or this kind of things. And it, at that time, it was even worse. And mm -hmm. uh, even though they changed the world, they, they, they changed the world by stories. And everyone that changed the world today was inspired in a story, in a hero, yeah. in, a, in a movie, yeah. in a book. You know? Right. Without, so, H, without H.G. Wells uh, doing his science fiction books, uh, mm -hmm. many scientists wouldn't have been able to build rockets and so on, because that was the first time that that idea started coming up. When... Yeah. The first time another another big movie that changed our reality literally was the matrix and that was oh, the yeah. first time simulation theory was brought out into the masses and we were like wait a minute are we just in a simulation maybe not a dystopian exactly. simulation like like in i would love to learn kung fu like that too yeah. but uh but the idea was planted in our society 
Yeah. And then not, and I was I was saying that the same thing when I saw Doctor Strange start talking about the multiverse. I was like, oh, there's yeah. like, it, and now it was, it's, by the way, everywhere. It's everywhere. Multiverses are yeah. everywhere. Ant Man, you know this kind of thing. Ant Man, so, the Flash, the yeah. Flash with the time, the timelines, the, the Flash. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone, everyone now is talking about these things because the consciousness of the planet right. is ready to understand the multiverse. Is ready yeah. to understand the dimensions. Yeah. And uh, um, as you see, uh, Doctor Strange had to go to Kathmandu to Nepal to find the truth. You know, so uh, it's like everyone in spirituality had to go to India, Kathmandu, Nepal, Tibet to find the truth. You know, right. so um, so I think that there are codes for everyone to see, but we are not paying attention because we still believe they're just movies. And uh, we stop and we have been taught that that's it's just imagination. But actually... In the first stories of the world, those stories, the, this imagination is the one that created everything we know today. Oh, I so, mean, without without Star Wars, do you know how many physicists were born because of Star Wars? Of course. I mean, so many scientists. I mean, it just these movies have impact. I mean, when they wanted when they put the space shuttle into space, how many people wanted to call it the Enterprise because yeah. of Star Trek? <laughs> Because it was so, you know, how many, you know, rocket scientists were created by Star Trek? So stories yeah. have such a powerful, powerful place in our society. And you're right, a hundred years ago, you throw the multiverse out, people were like, what do you, what, what? they can't, they couldn't what grasp it. So let me ask you this, because the world is, I'd love to hear your point of view of where we're all going, because humanity, a lot of people think that it's going to the hell in a handbasket. Everything seems to be crashing down around us. The economy is this and politics are that and the environment is happening here and wars and all of this craziness where do you see humanity going where's the future of humanity in the next 50 to 100 years i uh, i think it's going to be amazing um it's just that every generation that lives the present think that they are living the worst time in history Always, <laughs> always, and we always, also know just... everything. And we also know everything. We also know everything. Oh yeah, and we know everything. Of Zeus is God, and that's it. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's like it's like every everyone thought that it was the end of the world. Like yes. how many years uh, in all history they were all getting ready for the comeback of a master. Uh, that that would save them. So this has been around for ten thousand years, uh, and we are still waiting. <laughs> so um, um, every year or every ten years, the end of the world. We are living in the worst time of history. Uh, uh, the wars are taking over everything. So if you take a look into humanity for thousands of years, there are only two things that changed from all the history of humanity today. One is that we are overpopulated. It means that we are too many, so there are more problems. And the second one is that all those people are over-informed. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so we have more communication and also more people. More people. Right. So, 
before the problems were told by just one. Maybe the problem were lived by a thousand people and just one wrote about it. Today we have a problem of 10,000 people and 10,000 people talk about the problem, you know? Um, so that makes it even worse, actually. But it's not that the world right now is going to an edge of the end of something. It's not. It's just our perception because we are so egocentric that we want to live always in the best or the worst moment in history of humanity. But um, uh, actually, worse things happened before. And uh, every time that every time that worse things happened before, after that, it was a leap of evolution. Right. So, so for example, the first world war, the second world war, they all happened in the last hundred years, and and every time that they happen, we grew up not oh. only technology but also in human rights, in art, in taking care of the environment. Um, so many things like uh, the end of, of slavery, the um, rights of the women, uh, freedom of speech. So many things happen that today we complain because we are always in the pursuit of something better. But just take a look 10 years ago, just take a look 50 years ago, years ago you know, so uh, we are going to a terrible time because we are going too fast and uh, uh, very fast towards something that is going to, going to be amazing. But we are, we are like a baby trying to run. You know, so, um, so if you ever seen a baby try to run, not so good. Yeah, not so good because it, it always ends in blood. You know, so, so, um, so uh, because nobody taught to us how to properly walk. And the only people that can teach us how to walk, they are too slow. And we we are um, trying to go fast because otherwise so many things are happening and we have to catch up with everything. So we don't have the time to actually think who we are, why we're here, what do we want to do with our lives. Um, uh, everything that is happening in the world is actually true. Now we cannot trust anything. It's so so complicated that the only way to understand the outside is going within. There is no other way now. Like for me, the chaos we are living today in the world is perfect for a world that needs to go back to meditation. And that's why as much chaotic the world turns, more people are waking up, more people are heading to meditation, more people are trying to look for themselves. And it's because it's so chaotic outside that the universe is using the chaos to lead us towards the order within. Because we cannot trust nobody outside, so maybe I have to trust myself. And that's the <laughs> that's scary. That's the, the first step. <laughs> that's the first step. No, so, you're, in, but that it's so interesting too because right now, though, these generations that are being born are coming in with programming in their heads that I didn't come in with. I know you and I, you're younger than I am, but you didn't come in with. 
I mean, maybe you did, but your generation didn't. Um, but yeah, my like generation, parents, my generation was very, very locked. Also, oh yeah, like, and I was I was born in the '70s, so I was like, I was, but I have one foot in the new and one foot in the old. That's yeah. my generation. I'm Gen X, so we're both in in the in the new and the old. But like my kids, they they look at stuff now. And they're like, what do you you want me to go to? a four-year school put me into debt for a job that I'm not going to get or I could to work minimum wage all my life. Are you like, what are that's, you out of your mind? That's still from the eighties. <laughs> no, it's like such an eighties concept. You're absolutely right. But they also look at things uh, spiritually like racism and they just don't get it. They just don't like, but why? I, and it's yeah. like, not that we were teaching them that obviously we're teaching them to be nice to everybody, but they're at a different level. And you see it when you yeah, have kids yeah. now they're coming in, this new generation coming in is very prepared for where we're going. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Totally. We, uh, I, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I, I was in England. Um, and, uh, I was just traveling in a family trip with my friends and their daughter, uh, which is my niece. And she has two years old too. Yeah. And, uh, she, she barely speaks. Uh, she walks like a baby and stuff. Sure. And, and, um, uh, we ended up in the middle of the crop circle. So oh. there was a, oh, a crop circle. And we put her there like, oh, look. A crop circle, you know, it's like a baby. Yeah. She doesn't care. And suddenly she's she stood up like like she totally changed and she started to make mudras. And nobody, you know, it's two years old. <laughs> no one's taught like, her how to do mudras. And she 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 forced us to grab our hands, shake our hands, sit down in a meditation position. We didn't do anything. She was like obligating to do that. She went to the center and she started to guide a meditation just by actions and moving our hands and moving things around and giving us something to each one of us. And wow. And then she just when when she was like in the middle, like doing a mudra or something, she turned, went out of the circle, and she started to be a baby again. And it's like like um like uh and, and she basically grabbed the phone and knew how to unlock the phone to start i don't know painting painting or something i opened the, the app and everything so so um Amazing. she moved from the spiritual high level consciousness to knowing how to use technology and to play herself alone in a crop circle recognizing that that was a holy moment but also she could play and we weren't telling her, telling her what to do. She was telling us what to do. And I, I saw in that moment, this is really changing. And one of the main things that changed is that we never told her what to do or what not to do. Right. And, uh, and our generation, I think that we are allowing them to express their yeah. truth. Like we didn't have the, the chance to, you know. Right. Um, so because we are maybe more open to other ideas or anything, so we pay attention to what she wanted to do instead of just telling her, sit down or don't do this or, you know, um, 
it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine our grandparents with these concepts. They couldn't. <laughs> they, they they just wouldn't be able to even process it. They they just yeah. were built for that time. They just yeah. couldn't process it. You know, it, it it'd be so far beyond them. And they were around. Yeah. My grandfather was around before airplanes and cars, to <laughs> to the the birth of the internet. Yeah. You know, and and it's everything. It'd be t- that's a lot of what I mean. We grown so fast in the last yes. 150 years. It's been yeah. oh my god, exponential. And education is the same. You know, <laughs> don't get me started, please. But so, uh, I mean, so we are so we are still sitting in a chair, staring at someone that writes in choke. Um, <laughs> so what are we doing? Like, so, uh, if, so that's, I think that um, that's some of the things that we have to pay attention to, that we are so concerned of all this information that is coming to us, that everything's so bad and we are, there are so many yeah. conflicts in the world and everything. And it was always like that. We always had conflicts. We always were at the edge of something. And now, actually, we are, I don't know, for example, um, this is a controversial thing, but um, uh, everyone is talking about the native people in America or Latin America or Central America, saying like they were the connected people and the Europeans came and killed them all. Mm-hmm. When Spanish people came, they were all in a war. They were fighting. They hated each other. Actually, the Inca people, the Quechua people, they opened the path for the Spanish to kill all the other ones so they could conquer here, the people in Chile and Argentina. I've heard, I've so heard, actually, yeah. you know, so actually, if you actually read the history and and um, it, it was not like the good guys and the bad guys. It, it was, oh, no. it was oh, always human. Was human. No, greed and power, they all wanted the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. It was not like America was a paradise <laughs> before the Spanish came. So <laughs> if everyone hated each other. They were killing each other. So it was the same as in Europe, but here, but well, in America. Me, fascinating. Well, let me ask you this. We're going to start finishing it up here. Uh, my next question is, what message do you have for people who are skeptical of spirituality and of everything that we're talking about? Like, they're, if they're listening to this point, there's some questions inside of them, but <laughs> what, I mean, at this point, like, why are you listening? Um, but yeah. skeptical of maybe diving deep that they've been programmed with this idea of everything's outside of you. You need to find, look to a, a deity or a book or a teachings or, or something outside of you to find the answers. How about if they're skeptical or even scared to go inside? What advice would you have for them? Like my dad. <laughs> I'm sure that's a whole other podcast. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> that's therapy. That's good. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. My 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 dad usually say um, uh, that uh, yeah, everything that I say is bull. <laughs> but he says he's, he says it in, in a in a funny way. You know, even if he if he believes that what I'm saying is not true. You know, but um, he helps me because uh, he trusts me, but he doesn't believe me. So, um, so, uh, so one of the things that 
I usually, you know, I usually say to skeptical people is that there's nothing wrong with being skeptical because um, uh, the only problem of some skeptical people is when they don't doubt or they don't question. They are just against anything. Like, um, and usually it's people that is scared of changing their lives, that actually they are afraid of something. Sure. Like someone, if I open myself a little bit, maybe someone will come and change the way I want to live, you know, these kind of things. Um, but there are a lot of the skeptical people that actually are wondering, like, mm, I don't believe that this is like this. No, there is proof that this or this, or they are reading. And for the universe is another way of finding answers. So um, I don't feel I, I don't feel that um, skeptical people is a problem. I don't feel that uh, they are even against what I'm saying. I would just say for the people that not is it, not a skeptical for the people that is closed to a belief that nothing is like that and they don't want to even listen to anything. Uh, I like to say that. Uh, most of the things that make sense in their lives are based on things that are not true. Um, the concept of family, the concept of friendship, the concept of love, the concept of money, the concept of going to a movie on a Saturday night, the concept of watching TV, of reading a book, of enjoying art, of taking a walk on the park, on loving a pet. So many of those things doesn't actually make sense if you are skeptical, because why would you love something or an animal if you are skeptical? Why would you feel something? Why would you enjoy reading a story that is not true, that someone made up for you to have fun? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So why would you lose time enjoying life if everything that is enjoyable actually is not true? <laughs> true. So what I actually would say to people that is skeptical is that maybe everything that I just said is not true. But it gives purpose to people. It gives meaning. It gives ideas. It opens minds. It gives imagination. And it gives also sometimes hope that they actually can do something to change the world. And even if everything that I just said, it was a lie, maybe a lot of people will change the world because they trusted it. And... I think that most of the people that actually changed the world actually did something for the real world. They were based in stories. They were based in things that nobody can prove. And sometimes it's not about not believing. Sometimes it's about enjoying. And... Uh, um, we can do 
many good things for the reality, just imagining things. So if this is imagination, if this is not true, well, we at least had a lot of fun and we did crazy things and we changed a lot of people's lives. What a beautiful answer to that question. Uh, it is such a, because it's something that I come across all the time. People are skeptical of the guests I have, whether it's a near-death experience or a channel or someone like yourself or even a guru from India. They're like, ah, this is all, bull. Oh, they're trying to sell books. Ah, they're just all this kind of stuff. And I'm like. Oh yeah, we are too. <laughs> yeah, obviously we're all rolling in it with the book sales. I don't know about you, but my book sales, I mean, I've, I just bought my second yacht. Um, so, <laughs> but, but why I always tell people, I was like, I don't care what the messenger is. What's the message. Does it yeah. ring true to you? Does it help you? And if it does take it and use it, if it doesn't discard it and move on with life, right. That's the way it should always be, you know? So it's like, I love, but I love the way you, you presented. That's a beautiful answer. My friend, when, when you are, um, like a person like me or many other people that are doing this as their way of life, we are all trusting that we are connected with the universe. So when you are um, truthfully connected with your own self, um, actually, um, you're not trying to convince anybody. Because... Uh, right. You know. Yeah, because you're just sharing. Like, I'm not trying to... This is something that I also didn't talk to my dad because he was like, I thought you would be someone that were trying to convince me and my and my other kids, you know, like, uh, to believe what you believe. And I said, I don't care if you believe what I believe. Like, it's, it's, this is my thing, you know? This is my thing. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you want something from it, I can answer, but... But um, when you want to, when we, when when you enjoy yourself with who you are, you are not in the need of trying to change other people's lives uh, by force. Or I need you to believe me. You know, I, I had this conversation with a with a friend. Um, he is Muslim, and uh, <laughs> uh, and he was he was he was like, why why uh, if you if your life is like a prophet's life. Why don't you go to the world trying to convince them that what, what you are saying is the truth? So we are all following that truth like, like the prophets did. And it said, because, because I don't care. <laughs> it's like, right. no, I, because if I push people to believe what I believe, it is, it's, not, I, it's because I don't really understand what the universe is about. And the universe is about experiencing and so if you're skeptical of all this so maybe your path of understanding the universe is another one but if we all would believe the same thing there wouldn't be beautiful things in the world there wouldn't be art music um movies uh, i don't know everything that we have today because it's the singularity that, that makes beautiful a beautiful world so. But it's it's such an old idea that like if I have a belief I have to I have to force you or convince you. Yeah. That's why you heard of the yogi crusades, uh, where where, <laughs> where yogis were crusading across Europe, saying you must understand enlightenment and killing people yeah. in the name of enlightenment. Like you never saw. <laughs> 
because the yogis would just sit there and, and people would come to them. If you yeah. are ready, I'll share with you. And if you don't like it, go on. As opposed to some of these older religions or or even, you know, spiritual practices like, you know, Christ. I mean, look, I was just at the at the Vatican and I know you've been there. And I just looked around. And I was like, this has nothing to do with Jesus. Like, it's nothing. Oh, no. Nothing to do with um, Jesus whatsoever. And I used to, I, I go a lot to the Vatican and people say, why are you going to the Vatican so much? And I said, well, it, it has so much energy because so many people pay attention to the place. And it's so beautiful. It's Renaissance oh, it's art. Oh, you know, it's like, why do you go to, 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 to St. Peter's Square? Because of Bernini, not because of the Pope. <laughs> Bernini, did, Bernini did this beautiful job and, and you, you cannot just ignore it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So, like La Pretra is right there and you go into the museum and you're like, oh, look, there's Raphael's frescoes. I'm like, of course, that's yeah, why you go there. Of course. It's, it's beautiful. But, it's a museum. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, and my friend, do you have any parting messages for the audience? I would just remind when, or take that part that we were sharing before about we are living in a chaotic moment, but a chaotic moment requires people that think beyond chaos in order to create. So I would say that as the most crazy and chaotic the world becomes, pay attention to what it could become after that if we all set our imagination to work, if we all start to making our ideas into reality. So um, I would always say that whenever the energy is very low in the planet, the planet needs for people to be high in vibration. So I would advise to everyone that whenever there is a conflict, try to smile or laugh. And whenever there is a problem, use your imagination to find a thousand solutions because there is nothing that we can transcend. So the only way to transcend it is if we keep looking looking into the possibilities and not into the problem itself. So these chaotic times that we are living in the world are going to be amazing if more of us start to think about the infinite and beautiful possibilities of this crisis that we're living in. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing to awaken the planet, my friend. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. I want to thank Mateus so much for coming on the show and sharing all of his knowledge with us. If you want to get links to anything that we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash three, two, four. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.